You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. Today's show, uh, well, first off, I hope you enjoyed our talk, my talk with Burke Granger from last week. Uh, a really interesting talk, a chance to hear me talk about things I really often do not talk about, the nitty-gritty, the depth that isn't always there. So if you did miss the Wednesday and Friday shows, I would highly, highly recommend going back and checking those out. I'm going to have um, a special guest this week to talk about the Tigers. You will hear about that on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, Indians, Tigers, we're just kind of working our way through the Central, Um and unsurprisingly, there has not been a whole lot that has happened since the podcast occurred. The big news is the Josh Bell trade, so we might as well talk about that, talk about Josh Bell, uh, talk about the trade, and should the Indians have been in on Josh Bell? A year ago, Josh Bell looked like one of the best hitters in baseball. You go to his 19, 2019 baseball savant rankings, 95th in exit percentile, 89th in hard hit, 92nd in expected waiting on base, 87th and expected batting, 93rd expected slugging, barrel percentage, 88, K percentage, 67, which is not bad for a hitter with that type of power, walk percentage, 86, whiff percentage, 45, sprint speed, 48, and he is an atrocious defender, one of the worst in baseball. Now, in fairness, in 2019, if we go look at those splits, I mean, he was on fire in the first half. Second half, he was a below-league average bat, slightly. So it is also the whole like first half or second half. When you look at his entire career, because I was curious, because the other interesting thing in that 2019 data was 2019, as we talked about that stuff at the top of the show, I mean, this guy, he hit 36 home runs, 37 home runs, and was just one of the best hitters in baseball. He was um, hot trash versus lefties. Now, during his career, he's been okay against them. Well, he wasn't really hot trash at 761 OPS. Let me adjust that, because uh, then I was looking at the relative stuff, and that's a mess. His, uh, his, he, you know, he's closer to average versus lefties and he's great against righties. And when you look at the overall, um, as for his career, first half, second half bat, what is he? Well, he's been more of a first half bat, but his second half has still been solid. So he came back to earth, but I mean, over his career, I had some people saying, well, he's one good year. I, I strongly disagree with that. Uh, you look at his production Every single season until 2020, this is a guy who had an OPS plus over 100. Yes, it was closer to like 110. He was a good hitter, not a great hitter. And his value was always lower because he's an atrocious defender. And because he's such a bad defender at first base, the bat wasn't enough to quite make up for it. Uh, looking over here at baseball reference, his war, uh, 0.9, 0.27, and his fantastic gear, 2.7. It's because he's losing almost two wins just on defense alone. He's a DH. I mean, he is 100% a DH. You should put him at DH and forget about him. Why did the Pirates move on? Well, he made 4.8 this year. He's probably going to make, um, I think, arbitration estimates are about $7 million. And then he's probably somewhere around $11 million the year after that. So about 18 or so million the next two years. So that's why the Pirates sold low. He is 27, and he's coming off a terrible year. Now, there's some reasons for that. Again, let's hop over to that baseball savant data. When you look at his launch angle, this was the first thing I noticed. So 
last year, or 2019, I should say, a 12.9. Last year, a 5.9. That is the worst of his career. It is significantly below where his launch angle has been uh, at the other, you know, his first season, he was at a 6.4, but that was only, you know, 617 pitches, which was, you know, this year was only 857 in comparison. But yeah, that's, that is an interesting thing that the launch angle completely fell apart his walk percentage, which has always been over 10%, closer to like 12 or 13, was under 10 and 9.9. I know it's very close, but still a big drop. And his K percentage jumped up to uh, 26.5% this year. Before that, he was sitting in the high teens. That's a significant jump. That's almost a 10% jump there with a 2 to 3% drop in walks. Something is wrong. He changed for whatever reason in 2020. I don't know if he was selling out, you know, just trying to hit everything hard because the team was not good and he was just trying to get his uh if he was pressing or what was occurring but I mean he just he completely zapped what made him a great hitter and completely went away with that with the jump in the k percentage with the drop in the walk percentage what he did there uh it should be fixable but the Indians aren't always the best at this let's be honest uh, they have not, they know about launch angle and they know about, you know, uh, players and launch angle and stuff like that. But we've heard more about guys leaving Cleveland and getting coached up in those areas and being more effective than we have during their time here. The Indians do a lot of great things with pitching, but they don't seem to be able to necessarily adjust that with hitters. And you would hope that they could and that they should, but we don't see as many signs of it if we are being honest. Uh, the Washington Nationals got absolutely nothing out of first base a year ago. And would I look at it this way? Would you rather have two years, 18 million for Josh Bell or two years, 18 million for Carlos Santana? I mean, that's about what Santana got. I'd rather risk it with Bell, even with the poor defense. Uh, it is first base. So yes, you're hurting your team, but it's it's very minimal when you're that bad defender, even at first. I think he can rebound. Uh, what was the cost was Will Crow. So let's talk about Will Crow. Twice drafted by the Indians, uh, drafted out of high school as a day three pick, and drafted. He was a draft eligible sophomore who had been hurt most of that year. The Indians took another run on him as a day three pick. Next year he comes back and he's second or third rounder to the Nats. You know, good secondaries. The fastball is fringy. He's Adam Plutko. Uh, potentially a plus version of Plutko, but he's essentially very similar to Adam Plutko with more years of control and better secondary offerings, if we're being honest. But I don't think they're that dissimilar when you look at what the profile for both those pitchers are. And then Eddie Yen is the type of guy that I never want to be my centerpiece, but in a lot of, I, I think he's the centerpiece of this deal. I don't think it's Crow. Crow is rated higher in a lot of places, but that's because he's a a very high percentage starter. Now, I personally think he's more than likely a quad A type. I just, I don't believe in it enough uh, to see him be more than that. I think he's quad A, so I am very much lower on him than the consensus. But the Nationals have a terrible system too. And that helps push up a guy who has, you know, a high percentage chance of being an MLB starter. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. You know, Eric Fetty was another guy who they thought would be a starter by now, who kind of similarly had a bit of a low ceiling. Um and supposed to be high floor and it hasn't come together. So Crow was higher rated, but you know, uh, Eddie Yeen is the guy who he's got the dynamic arm, but he's really young. He's only been in low A. I, it's a big gamble. I mean, they like ceiling arms. They are gambling on him. I see a lot of people want to project the pirates and like, look at this great pitching. I mean, Mitch Keller is yet to prove himself as a starter. Uh, 
that their young pitching is interesting. And, you know, people are already putting Kumar Rocker in that group because they have the first pick. And yes, that is likely. But, um, and you can't count on a pitcher until they've hit double or triple A and performed. And I mean, Keller this past year was good, but it was five starts. And he still didn't change it. He was not good. Uh, the ERA plus is great, but I mean, you look at something, it's interesting because his 11 starts in 2019, his FIP is fantastic. And I, I love his rate data there. He was just unlucky uh, in 48 innings. 2020, I mean, he was, wasn't was missing bats and he was walking a ton of guys. So I don't know. Keller hasn't gotten over the hump. And I think if you were the Washington Nationals, that's what you're betting on, right? Like the Pirates player development has been pretty terrible since they had that resurgence under Huntington and they made the playoffs. Uh, you know, they had the pitching whisper so much so that Ray uh, Serge or however his name was pronounced, you know, his his lieutenant was essentially traded to the Florida Marlins for Trevor Williams, who had been the Marlins like second round pick that year, who, you know, the Pirates just released. But they got a few years of solid back end uh, starter out of him. So other teams thought this guy was so good. They traded for his number, you know, his right hand man. And uh, now both those guys don't have jobs, the right hand man or the Pirates guy in the I mean, Glass now. It didn't work when he was there. Uh, Meadows kept running into a wall and couldn't hit further development. Polanco, I, I mean, people don't probably remember what a big prospect he was when he came up and he hasn't worked out. And you just look at this entire year for the Pirates. It wasn't just Josh Bell who regressed. Kevin Newman, Brian Reynolds, all those young hitters took a major step back. So there's obviously something wrong, A, in the developmental system there, and B, in the coaching and everything else. So I think Josh Bell is a smart gamble. I saw a lot of people were like, no, he's not good, this and that. I'm like, he, Josh Bell, again, if you missed it, in 2019 at the age of 26, walked 74 times, 37 home runs, 30 doubles, 277 batting average. He was uh, 936 OPS plus, or OPS, OPS plus of 936 would be unbelievable, 142 OPS plus. But even in his down years, 800 OPS, 768, uh, 775, that first partial season, not even a, a rookie season. This year, he was bad. There's no other way around it. He was bad. But the Nationals bought low. They traded away a quad A arm. And a, to, to me, what is a dime a dozen? A exciting player who's in uh, low A, an interesting arm. You know, uh, you can look at Oviedo, who's not with the Pirates, <laughs> for a player who's not that dissimilar. But the national system just lacks depth. It is not a good system. I don't think Yin would, uh, or Yen, or however it's pronounced properly, I know I'm probably butchering it, would be ranked in 26 to 27 systems in the minors right now. I just think that's the case. I don't think he's he's a very typical high ceiling arm. You know, there's, uh, you know, if you put him into a draft class, I don't think he's a first round pick type. So I get what the Pirates did it. They're slashing and burning. They're carrying the whole thing to the ground. Uh, I think the, you know, OV8 is gone from the Indians. I think this is a clear sign of that. They are going to go youth heavy. They're going to go very low salary. Uh, they're going to trade everything that isn't nailed down. Uh, I think we'll see a Joe Musgrove move before it's said and done. And I think James Tyon is the guy that you want to stick around and reestablish some value. But other than him, uh, I think we're just going to see the Pirates uh, sell, sell, sell. Could the Indians have topped the steal? Certainly. I, I I don't think, you know, Crow does have more value than Plutko because Crow still has options and Crow is younger and has more team control. But you could have given any, you know, a Scott Moss has more value than Will Crow in my mind. A, 
Uh, Eli Morgan might be a similar level type of guy to me. I know not to everyone, but to me, uh, the Indians, you know, Logan Allen is more valuable than Will Crow. You could have easily done something like Logan Allen for Will Crow. And then, I mean, the Indians have a million high ceiling arms in those lower minors. Or could have, and, and they seem to be very arm focused. So I think it would have been there. Now, should the Indians have topped it? Bell paints you in such a corner. Um, one, let's be honest, $7 million a year would have been hard for the Indians to add. I think this is a team with a $40 million payroll going into next year. Uh, two, he's a DH only. You really don't want to have him out there. And three, you have to feel comfortable as a staff that you're going to be able to get him to revert to what he did before. So I'm I'm okay with Josh Bell not going on. It was the big baseball news, and that is why we uh, spent some time talking about today, because they did have people ask, why weren't the Indians on it? Well, he's a DH only. Right now they have a lot of guys who are, uh, their best position is DH. So uh, if they're going to add a bat, if they're going to go out and pay that prospect price and pay a guy a few million, it has to be someone who can help them in the field, either at second, short, because we know that trade is coming, or in the outfield. Let's talk about our fantastic sponsors on today's show, Built Bar. I finally got my uh, cotton candy fudge built bar and it is delicious. If you can still get those, I highly recommend it. I know I always say go mixed box, but if you like that mint candy cane type of mint flavor, you like um, your fudge type, it is. Uh, I always talked about how nice the built bar is. Like, as someone who is uh, gluten free, I'm so used to bars that just they are no fun to chew. I feel like I spent all day trying to get them down. This was such a smooth bar. It was just easy to bite into. I wanted more. I've been quite enjoying them. Um, my wife jokes, they come in these festive boxes. So she keeps going and thinking it's candy. They're definitely fun little things in that regard. But at the end of the day, this is the best tasting bar that I have ever had for a protein bar. There are legitimately at points tastes like you're having dessert or a treat. And I will almost treat them like that. Get a little more protein, get a little more energy. This is a product that I have. This is my fourth order from built bar. I believe in this product. I like this product. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code locked on. It's what I use on my orders just to save that extra 20%. Get a mixed box. Uh, keep your eyes open to see when they do have fun flavors. I wasn't as... The pumpkin one was okay, but this candy car, candy cane fudge brownie, if you can still get it, get it. That was a great one. Uh, and they're always keeping it fresh. They're always adding fantastic new products. I love my Built Bar uh, boosts what you add to drinks it's a great alternative uh during the middle of the day instead of if you want to switch off from coffee and get a little more energy builtbar.com using the promo code locked on our other fantastic sponsor is bet online ag now i'll be the first person to tell you i do not know the most about gambling and about betting but i'm learning i'm learning through uh our new partnership with bet online ag all these fantastic uh matchups coming up next week is a big week if you are a browns fan let's not talk about the game today let's just move on uh playoffs are getting closer you know there's going to be all the college bowl games that are happening and the place to to, that you want to go and place your bet the one place that has you covered and the one place we trust is betonline.ag sign up today for your free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on for your 50 percent welcome bonus you want to go and, like I said, go look at those lines for Week 17. See if there's anything fun or different out there. I feel like right now, if you are someone who knows you're gambling, it is the perfect time to go to betonline.ag. Sign up for that account. Get that 50% welcome bonus. Things are so crazy week to week with who is it, who can play and who can't. If you're smart, you're probably having a great season when it comes to gambling. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in the action. Use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. 
BetOnline AG, your online sports sports book experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at BetOnline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your sign-up bonus. BetOnline. Locked on Bets is uh, the new pot, newest podcast for our network. It doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quit quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Okay, so I know we talked about Oh, we're going to talk Nick Wetgren on Friday. And then uh, I had that nice talk with Burke, and the day got away from me. So let's talk some Nick Wetgren right now. Let's dive into the, you know, it's it's always fun when I see that, you know, he was a ninth-round pick out of Purdue back in 2012. A, not a lot of Purdue guys in baseball. Let's just be honest. Um, two, 2012 is the first year where we have the whole slot system that has come to dominate uh, the draft. And three, ninth round pick, that is the prime senior sign range. So I'm always curious to, to kind of go back and look at a player like him. Draft in 2012, gets to the majors by 2016. Let's just talk about Nick Weckren in that time. FIP, 367, 358, 313. After the 313 year, uh, his walk rate is up, but his FIP is good. His home run rate is down that year now. It didn't stay down. Now, he's, he's always been, outside of that season, over a home run per nine. But that year it was down, and that's also the walk rate was up to four. The only other time it's been uh, this next highest walk rate was a 2.8. His strikeouts were down, and Miami decided to move on. And Cleveland traded Jordan Milbreth, who, huge guy, like 6'6", just a big guy. And I would see, and he threw really hard, but he threw really straight. And... You know, he was taken in the Rule 5 draft, I believe by the Pirates, honestly, and returned and then eventually traded. And then I think he, and I think he then might have been traded by the Marlins as well. In my mind, he's with Baltimore, but that could be wrong. No matter what, Mo Breath is gone. The Indians get Nick Wetgren. And what has he done in Cleveland? Well, 2019, uh, Penn, you know, we had massive concerns with entering 2019, right? Cody Allen uh, and Andrew Miller are gone. They were the 2018. They go make that Brad Hand trade. We don't know how that's going to come together. And if you listen to this podcast, we're over 400 episodes now, by the way. Uh, before the Indians ever added him, I was advocating for Whitgren, Whitgren just because he had been effective. Three straight years, solid data all three years. Relievers are so volatile. He was not. And he's come to Cleveland and stayed effective. Uh, the FIP of 417 and last year 442, which is not great, but strikeout rate up uh, from a year ago. Hit rate is down. Very small sample, so we'd have to see what he could do. But two years in Cleveland, he's going to make. I saw in a Zach Meisel article that White Grin and Carrasco are the only Indians pitchers that will make seven figures next year. That's it. Those two. He's going to make about $2 million. $2 million is a. Uh, more than worthwhile cost for him. It will be interesting to see if uh, if this this could very conceivably be his last year, though. Uh, he has been kind of one of those guys who rides the edge. Like, you look at the numbers, and you know that he shouldn't perform as well as he has during his time in Cleveland. He's always one of those guys that kind of advanced numbers look at is waiting to implode a bit because uh, he's been very good, and he's 
closer to average, but he keeps being effective and he keeps being someone who the Indians can roll out there and he performs well for them. If we go over and look at his, you know, his baseball savant stuff, uh, 2020 is not pretty. K percentage and walk percentage are 74 and 80, but exit velocity, 31, hard hit, 49, uh, expected ERA, 32, barrel percentage, 15, uh, expected bag average, 47th, expected slugging, 20, fastball spin, 37, fastball velocity, 49. His fastball is slow and it doesn't spin. <laughs> it's just a bad combination, yet he is still effective. Use that fastball 60% of the time. Change up slider or his other two pitches. Um, he has a fastball that is slow and does not spin, and he relies on it more than 50% of the time. It's kind of crazy to think about that. Uh, and it it's, it has stayed effective. Uh, his, you know, it, he's a very interesting player, but uh, if he continues to perform, you know, the Indians do have him for 2020, well, next year would be 2021. Uh, 2020 would be his last year of arbitration, or 2022, I should say. I, ooh, not getting my uh, numbers right today. But in 2022, so essentially, if he performs well, give him, you know, try to figure out another contract for that final year at age 30 and then age 31 he eats free agency. I don't know what he would generate. He's not like a Brian Shaw. Like Brian Shaw had some killer secondary pitches and there were some reasons why teams would want to go out and get him. I, he's Shaw light, um, still effective. And again, I mean, they trade away a guy who had been returned to them in the rule five draft, who was all size and velocity and they've gotten two years of good production and they'll continue to, you know, ride the, the wet grin train and hopefully with, you know, Classe and Sandlin and uh, Trevor Steffian now and some of these other guys, you know, I think, Matt, I'm just going back through other years. I mean, his numbers have always on Baseball Savant been poor for uh, Whitgren, but, you know, he should probably be more of like your, you know, a mid-rotation guy. Uh, not mid-rotation, a middle-innings type of guy, not the back-end guy he's been asked to be these last two years. And it is, he's interesting. It's absolutely fascinating because, again, going back to that talk I had with Burke, talked about how sometimes you can look at a guy and there's low velocity and in the past we didn't know oh well he's got spin like that's that's the missing component and you could talk about it or sometimes you would see the spin but uh he doesn't have spin either the spin is worse than the velocity so it's it's fascinating um how he's effective uh but he has been and that's it's not like any of his savant data has ever been good uh he has been in the majors since like 2016 so you got five seasons, 198 games, 209 innings, and the advanced stats have always been poor. And yet he still, he has not had one bad season. I mean, he's never even had a negative war season. That's it's that's phenomenal for a reliever. Five seasons above uh, a zero war, a .9 in his first year in Cleveland, a .5 last year in abbreviated season. Cody Allen, I believe, once led the, the uh, American League in uh, reliever war with a war under two. I mean, relievers don't get to two. Uh, in the abbreviated season, Wickren was on his way to being over one, which is fantastic. We'll see what he does. Uh, there does feel like a little bit of hot potato with him that eventually, you, you know, it's going to be like Jeff Manship, um, Scott Atchison, uh, we, you know, I'm trying to always think there was always, you know, uh, Matt Alpers left, uh, so he didn't implode here, but they, you know, they would find these guys and hold on to them maybe a little bit too long, which is what you do. Cause they're not expensive. And you just, if, if they implode and it doesn't come together and you know, the wheels finally come off, it's not a huge cost and just 
see what you can have. What is interesting with the Cleveland Indians in general is they now have so many young pitchers. You know, Plutko has to be on the roster. Uh, at some point, you need Moss and Morgan and Allen to get some opportunities up here. You have, I mentioned Sandlin and Nelson, and uh, Broom is going to be an interesting guy soon, kind of very similar to Simber, hopefully actually what they thought Simber was going to be, and Adam Scott. And they just, there's a lot of interesting relief options. So they're going to run with a guy they know they can trust, a guy who's been effective, even though it does seem to be a bit of smoke and mirrors. And they have that knowledge now that we really haven't had in recent Indians history where if there's an issue with the pen, they have the next wave. They can just keep going and pulling up young arms. That has not been something since I started covering this team. Uh, the bullpen has always been an issue. They've been terrible, terrible. If you listen to the podcast, I talked about that when you go and you talk about like the top drafted or international signed relievers draft and develop for the last 20 years, like Paul Shuey is on that list. You may not have fond memories. He had some really good ones. David Risky is on that list. Uh, Aaron Laffey is like sixth on that list when you're looking at total war. It is not a good list. Uh, Raphael Betancourt is not because he was a trade. Raphael Perez is because he was a signing. Cody Allen, of course, is number one. But uh, yeah, it's it's not been good. They've been really bad at this for pretty much ever my entire life. <laughs> I'm going to be uh, 40 in 2021, and they have never, even those 90s teams, those all of those relievers were trades or, you know, cast-offs. They never, uh, outside of Shuey, I mean, no one else was a, was a draft to develop or a sign and develop. They couldn't do that, and they still couldn't do it into the early aughts and into the teens. And this is the first time where, like I said, I really like Kyle Nelson. I think he's a solid lefty. Robert Broom is an interesting side armor. Adam Scott's another highly productive lefty that no one talks about. Nick Sandlin was a second-round pick who they drafted knowing in the second round they drafted a reliever. And they immediately put him in that role and had him move quickly up the minors, and if he doesn't get hurt in 2019, he's probably in the majors this year. They went out of their way to build these next waves of arms so they wouldn't have to go out and pay a high prospect to get someone like Brad Hand again or Andrew Miller again. They started to develop a system to get these guys up, and now more than ever, they have just a wave of arms. So things don't work out. The pen is maybe the place I feel the most comfortable, uh, even more so in the starters, because I, I feel like some of the starters could regress when they don't get to feast on facing uh, central teams but they have those waves of relievers that make me uh, very confident that that pen is going to be something to watch. I can't keep these short. Uh, <laughs> I apologize if you are like, why can't you do the 20-minute podcast? Uh, I want to thank everyone who listens, rate and reviews. Our numbers were up quite a bit over the past month. We cracked like the top 50 on baseball uh, podcasts on iTunes. That never happens for our little show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Rate and review, download daily. Uh, those are huge for us. I always read the uh, say thank you to the people who do rate over on iTunes because that is where most of our listeners come from. Uh, but any service, rate. And <laughs> if you tell me what you rated on and uh, your name, I will do thank yous for that as well, not just the iTunes. But those are the ones that pop up in my inbox through Chartable. But yeah, top 50. So thank you. Download daily, rate and review. Listen to all the fantastic podcasts on network. I have been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Draft. Make sure to tune in Wednesday. We have that video fun with WKYC. You can see what I look like and hear me talking about the Indians and Tigers with a Tigers, uh, very knowledgeable writer. I wanted to make sure I say his name correctly, Rogelio Castillo. Uh, I've talked with, with him and Chris Brown many times on their podcast. I'm going to have them both on at various points for this one. So make sure to tune to that. And for the next year, at least, 
Go Tribe.